It's Sunday, June 26th, and you're listening to Peanuts and Popcorn. PNP is a baseball podcast interrupted by a movie discussion between two old friends. I'm Tom Hockney. And I'm Leo Fontana. Week on Peanuts and Popcorn, Tom and I will begin with our picks for the Midsummer Classic. The new playoff format was supposed to encourage competition top to bottom, yet six teams are on a pace to lose 100 games. Shohei Otani makes history while former Cub Kyle Farnsworth is on a bodybuilding binge. In our popcorn discussion, we'll discuss the Clint Eastwood film, Gran Torino. How are you doing, Tom? I, I'm a little tired today, I have to tell you. We had a, we had a busy Saturday, but we'll talk about that in a, in a second. How are you doing? I'm all right. I mean, uh, a lot going on. I've got uh, my brother-in-law in town. He's staying with us. Uh, he's in town for my niece's graduation. She graduated from high school. We'll be going to Denver University. And uh, it was very, very nice. And uh, so, you know, the weather's been okay. I'm going to play some pickleball later. All is good. How are you? Yeah, yeah. yeah so it was a pretty, uh, pretty crazy week this week in the U.S. Uh, I have some of my uh, expatriates saying, hey, is, is someone sent me a note saying, is, is everything okay in America? And I, and I, and I said, I don't know. I, I, I don't, I don't really have the answer to that question. Yeah. Um, but, uh, <laughs> Basically, what yeah, Roe v. Wade was overturned. Yeah, this is uh, I I mean, look, I'm Catholic. I I I assume you. I don't know to what extent. I'm a recovering Catholic. You're a recovering Catholic, right? You were the altar boy who who served so long, you get a pension. That's correct. But but, I was the one altar boy that wasn't abused. And I kind (laughs) of have a Catholic. Yeah, exactly, exactly, because you were you. Because you would kick their ass. I, I wasn't their type. <laughs> but, uh, you know, and I kind of look at Roe v. Wade and abortion with uh, through the lens of Catholic theology and ideology. And, you know, I, I don't like the idea that abortions take place anywhere. And I would prefer to live in a world where unwanted pregnancies never occur and abortions don't have to occur. However, I also know, understand that that world is unrealistic and that I am also, I cannot impose my religious views on every woman in America. And I absolutely refuse to do that. And for that reason, in spite of my Catholic sort of way of looking at this, I feel that abortion must be legal. We cannot continue to force women to have pregnancies through term if they don't want to have them. It's not right. And uh, I, I'm going to do everything I can to help <clears throat> get it back to the way things were for the last 50 years. But I have a feeling we're in for some very, very dark times in this country. Yeah, I, that basically those are my sentiments as well. I am, While I am a recovering Catholic, I just want to throw this out there because I think it's important for everyone to understand. No one is for abortion. No, no, no person, if you think about it, analytically is for abortion. The reason why, and there's a couple of, you know, in my view is very nuanced, just like yours is. I'm, I'm, I'm personally against the idea of it. However, I would fight to the death for a woman's right to be able to have an abortion. Exactly. And the reason is, is because far too long, a lot of these decisions have been made by men. Yeah. This this is singularly a woman's issue, even though men are involved in the process of it. Too long for me, men have dictated 
how women's bodies are to be used as basically a vessel for yeah. men. And, 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 and it's disgusting and it's barbaric. And it I, I just I it's it was a really tough week uh, for women in the United States. Um, I, I just and the other thing, so I just want to throw this out there. Don't tell me you're fucking pro-life. I'm yeah. pro-life, too. You're pro-birth. You don't give a shit what happens to these babies after they're born. Don't tell me you're pro-life. That's just a bullshit argument. Everybody's pro-life. That's that's ridiculous. What happens when it comes to to, to clothing these unwanted children? Yeah. Feeding them, Feeding them educating right? them, making them contributing members of society? You want to have nothing to do with that. And that's the problem. And, and again, this is men, basically men, white men, if you really want to break it down even further, that are making this decision. The idea that those, that, you know, this is a Trump issue. And we know that this is an interesting parallel week because the hearings have been going on in Washington. And every single day, the, the thumb screws are getting tighter and tighter on, on Trump and, and his whole uh, regime and, and the yeah. whole. And, 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 but this, the reason why we're here today is because of Trump. He put these three lying motherfucking judges who went through their Senate confirmation hearings and lied right through their teeth. This was a political, and it is a political Supreme Court today. Yeah. It wasn't this way years ago, but it, but it certainly is today. It's, and it's so, where personal ideology is determining legal status and it's and it is unacceptable it, really it is, is unacceptable and it all goes back to this former president and regardless of your opinion of him one way or another we are in this position today because he had the ability to pick three uh, supreme court justices uh, uh, president obama was denied that opportunity if you recall they yes, pushed through amy cohn and barrett because if you look at the vote that, this wouldn't have passed if that wouldn't have went through. Also, Brett Kavanaugh, you lied through your teeth. There's just no getting around it. So as you can see, I'm kind of passionate about this subject, but this is a tough week for America. Well, I, I've been saying on, you know, did you see that headline from The Onion? Uh, it, has, it shows a picture of a woman with a kind of a blank look on her face. And the headline is, vessel for male gratification seems sad today. You know, and, <laughs> right, right. Which I thought was absolutely brilliant. But but I got to say that there has to be a political price that is exacted for this gross overreach by the Supreme Court. Yeah, and we've got an election coming up in November. And in states like Ohio and Missouri, they need to get out women and people in general who feel strongly about this issue right. need to show up at the polls and they need to vote out these people who would continue to 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 live in a world where abortions are illegal. Right. There are so many consequences. That you are know, in developed nations, there's only like a handful of countries that yeah. that are you know draconian like this. Well, Ireland for a long time outlawed outlawed, outlawed abortion, but again, that, ca a ca Catholic and Protestant nation, right. and, and, that's and, and very in big Chile thing. it was illegal. But right. finally, I mean. You know, these countries have sort of come into what is known as civilized society. And I'm sorry. I mean, again, I don't like the idea of abortions occurring. Right. However, I would never, ever presume to tell women what they can or cannot do Absolutely. with their bodies. Absolutely. And you better show up and vote this fall.
Correct. Because if, if this matters to you, if it doesn't, then don't. But if it's, this stuff yeah. matters to you, you absolutely, the only way we can overturn this is at the ballot box. So um, anyways, uh, on a lighter note, I, I'm very tired today. And the reason why I'm tired is that we had a garage sale yesterday that mm -hmm. I participated in. And basically- Would you pull in there, Tom, 10, 15,000? No, I think we got a little more than $800 or something oh, like oh. that. Hopefully the IRS is not listening to this. But it was a very <laughs> successful day. Uh, and it was very funny to, in, in, in many ways to see the town to a certain degree, or many people from the town. It was very crowded at certain points. You know, and I and I just was just kind of watching it all and playing part carnival barker, part salesman, and uh, and but uh, kudos to my wife Gwen who basically ran the show and was uh, was tremendous, was a, a was a dynamo, and uh, and my brother Brian too who was uh, who did, did deliveries with his little Kubota driving around our little hamlet. So it was a great day. We spent the last three hours on the boat just swimming in the water, uh, trying to relax our tired bones. And it was it was a great summer day in Harrison. Uh, you know, I would I certainly wouldn't want to be without my air conditioner on some of these hot days. Absolutely. What's going on with you, buddy? Dude, we had to replace our air conditioner last week, last week, the week before. It was so hot. Our our, our air conditioner broke down the Friday before last. And oh, was, no. Yeah. And and. You know, we had to, it was just code red, emergency, call Lowe's, call every HVAC guy we could call, getting quotes, getting estimates. But we finally got one in after paying seven grand for it. But, uh, you know, that's the way it is. But now, you know, our, our old air conditioner was almost 30 years old. Uh, it, it predated uh, our purchase of this house. And it had been functioning well, but it finally just, you know, our, our HVAC guy said it just, it's yeah, shit it was, the bed, as they say in the business. Yeah, yeah. And, and and so we had to get it replaced, and it's now nice and cool in this house. But we were struggling there for a little while, and, you know, I couldn't sleep upstairs. It was just way too hot. Here's the problem with this. You'll never pay, I've learned this over many decades, you'll never pay as much as when you don't have something. Yeah. And so you're really held over the barrel. So, for example, uh, if you want to change your air conditioner, do it in the winter. You know what I'm saying? Like, because, and, and, but when you, they've got you over the barrel when you're, when you're dead, you're paying basically, why pay retail when you can pay more than retail? Right. Exactly. <laughs> and, that, and that's what, you know, but, but again, in the middle of winter, you're not thinking about your air conditioner. You're only thinking about your air conditioner when it's not working. And, and exactly. it was a struggle, but you know, our poor dog, God, she just, she just lay, laid out on the kitchen tiles. That's the only place she would hang, yeah, you, know, right. you know, and I just felt so bad for her, but uh, she she just refused to go outside. She wouldn't do it, you know. I'm a loser. I'm a loser. And I'm not what I appear to be. Of all the love I have won or have lost, there is one love I should never have crossed. So let's get to our uh, peanuts discussion. I want to begin with our picks for the All-Star Game. And I've filled out my ballot. I'm looking at it right now. And what we're going to do is we're going to go through this kind of quickly. Uh, we're going to go position by position in each league. And I'm going to start with uh, first base. And in the American League, I went with Vladimir Guerrero Jr. As did I. And, oh, good. That's, that's interesting. We had the same pick. I've seen the man play. And I got to tell you, I mean, I was worried about this guy 
having a bit of a weight problem, but yeah, right. a better athlete than I than I thought. And he's playing a better defensive first base than I had thought he was capable. So I was uh, glad to see that, and I'm happy to vote for him. And then uh, the candidate who I think is uh, most likely for MVP in the National League is one Paul Goldschmidt. You know? Yeah, yeah, I, I, I agree, but I got to tell you, um, first base in the National League is a little bit more uh, harder to pick, in my opinion, because you have Freddie Freeman and you have Pete Alonzo on the Mets and even C.J. Cron to a lesser degree. But I, I agree with the uh, one, uh, the, the 1,039 OPS is really, it's yeah. tough to get past that. So I, I, I'm with you. I go with Goldsmith. 61, he has 61 runs batted in. Yeah, right, right. He's just been such a machine for that team. You know, but uh, but, you know, so but that's interesting that we kind of but I guess you vote for him in the end. All right. So let's go to second base. I went in the uh, American League with Andres Jimenez from the Cleveland Indians. And then I went with Jazz Chisholm Jr. of the Florida Marlins with the 866 OPS, although his batting average at 250 is a little suspect. Yeah, well, I I somewhat agree. I I picked Altuve um, in the American League to me. Um, that one's a little bit easier to pick. In the National League, I would have went with Ozzy Elbies, but he's yeah. he's out and really, you know. Yeah, he can't play. He's not going to be correct. Able. Correct. And Chisholm's as good as anybody. Um, so who? Uh, let me go. Let me pick who I went with at third base. I went with uh, Devers from uh, from the Red Sox. Really. And then uh, in the National League, um, uh, I just can't pick Machado on principle. So I'm yeah. going to go with uh, uh, Nolan Arenado. Nolan Arenado. Yeah, yeah. I, I went with Jose Ramirez. Yeah, that's a great pick. That's a, he's, he's and, really um, good. Manny Machado. I went with Manny Machado. I bit the bullet. Like in the way that you couldn't vote for Machado at third base, I couldn't vote for Altuve at second on principle. Mm-hmm. But I went I got with- you. Trust me, I got you. I got you. All right. So who's your shortstop? My uh, my shortstop, believe it or not, and this is a t- this was a tough one in the American League, but I went with Tim Anderson. Yeah, me uh, too. It, me too. Oh, you did. Okay, yeah, so that okay. makes it kind of easy. Uh, in the National League, um, it's Trey Turner. He's my shortstop on my fantasy team, so I'm going to pick all my fantasy players because it's a luck thing. So, I went with Turner as well. So we we were identical at shortstop, exactly catcher, and I went with Wilson Contreras in the National League because I like the Cobb, and there wasn't anybody really in the National League who stood out, but he's been the best catcher. There's no doubt. Uh, I would say that the catcher position as a whole has been kind of week this year in American and National League. I, I agree with you. I went with Contreras in the National League, but I took Kirk in the American League. All right. So why don't you go with, give me your three picks for the outfield in the American League. Okay. So obviously Aaron Judge um, is one yeah. of those guys. Yeah. I, I'm going to take Mike Trout and, and I am going to take George Springer, who is, is the, is, is basically in third place and then in the uh, American. Who do you like in the American? Springer, I think, is a great choice. Uh, you know, he's having a great year. Uh, I went with Aaron Judge and Mike Trout, but I, also, I selected Josh Naylor uh, yeah. you know, for the Cleveland Indians, who was, you know, a good, solid pick. But, it's a good pick, and I have to tell you, you bring up the Cleveland Indians. The Cleveland Indians are a very surpri- surprising team. Yeah. And then um, in one of the articles we, that I read here this morning uh, from, I think, um, uh, the uh, Athletic was um, 
that that Mike Clevenger trade that they made, that everybody said that the Indians were out of their minds, which yielded them six players. Yeah. It turns out Cleveland is Cleveland could win that division this year. I'm just going to throw that out there. And a lot of uh, it will be on the strength of the of the results they got back from that trade. Right. So, correct. Uh, correct. It's, uh, it's very interesting. And I, I saw an article, and, and the headline was at, at one point, "Don't trade with the Cleveland Indians. They will fleece yeah. you." You know, exactly. All right. So, so, but, yeah. but, uh, in the National League, to me, I'm picking and even though his numbers are not the best, uh, Juan Soto, who I think is the best baseball player, period. Yeah. I'll, I'll always pick him. I'm also picking uh, Mookie Betts and I'm going to throw in Ronald Acuna, too, even though statistically there's better guys than him. He just didn't get a start on his season because he was injured for the first five or six weeks. But that's who I would go with. I went with Betts. I chose Ian Happ who's having a good year. He's having a good month. Wait a minute. No, 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 no. He had a terrible May, and he's having, he had a f- tremendous June. 36, um, run batted in, 36 runs batted in, 860 OPS. I think he's been – I think he deserves it. Then well, he's, I also he's getting chose, a lot of votes. There's no question about it. I chose a former Cub. Uh, he was only a Cub for a few months, but Jacques Peterson, who's having an excellent year. He really is. The one that Tommy fans slapped in the face over a fantasy football dispute. You know, I'm reading a novel by uh, Michael Connolly called The Dark Hours. And yeah. At one point, the main character, who's the detective on the night shift, and she doesn't have her own desk. So she has to borrow the desks of the detectives from the day shift. And so she's sitting at this one guy's desk's desk, and he has all these baseballs that are autographed by different people, different Dodgers. And she's on the phone, and she picks one up, and she looks at it. And she's like, I don't, I don't know who this is. But I think the signature, the first name looks like Mookie. I don't know. And she puts it down, you know. Yeah. So I thought that was kind of funny. <laughs> so who's your DH? Oh, in the American League, it's clear cut. It's the, maybe the best player in the American League, Jordan Alvarez, who's also on my fantasy team, driving me to a 9-2 and two record this season, yeah. um, really? is, is clearly number one. Um, number two, I would – Pick Bryce Harper, but here's a bulletin for you. He broke his hand last night, no. and he is uh, probably going to be out for the year because if he has to have hand surgery, he's definitely out for the year. If he doesn't, even if he comes back, I think that's yeah. the type of injury you kind of need a year with. That being said, I am gonna I'm gonna go something goofy here, and I'm gonna take uh, 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 Will Willem Contreras. Who's, Willem who's Contreras. Yeah, correct. Wouldn't that correct. be great if both Contreras brothers made the All-Star yeah, team? It yes, would be great. This hand injury. Wow. Yeah, I chose uh, Harper. I'll have to maybe go back and reevaluate. But I also chose Alvarez. Um, so that was that was. You know, that, I think we got pretty solid teams. It'll be interesting to see how it all finally shakes out. But uh, you know, uh, this is. Uh, this is a good – the thing is with the all-star ballot, I don't vote multiple times, and I don't think you do either. No, 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 no. I make one vote. I feel I like and, 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 you know, I've li- I lived in Chicago for 35 years, and I only voted once there in their elections as well, even though that's not really what you do in Chicago. I only voted exactly. once. I only voted exactly. Voting early and often. Now, did you see this Ken Rosenthal article in The Athletic? Um, six teams – are on a pace to lose over 100 games. Yeah. We're talking about the A's. We're talking about the Cubs, the Reds. Who else is awful? Kansas City. Kansas City's terrible. You know, and and this new playoff so, format. So, so, yeah, you said the Reds, right? Yeah. Yeah, the Reds. Yeah, I said the Reds. And you know, this the the 
the, this new playoff format was. Na- in, I'm sorry, the Nationals. The Nationals are terrible. Yeah, they're. Yeah. And the Detroit Tigers. My and the Tigers. Detroit Tigers are, are as bad as any of them. And I thought this new playoff format was intended to sort of bring more parity and inspire more competition for playoff spots, but that has not been the case. Well, not just that, but Rosenthal points out that it's still the game of the have and have nots, which this has been going on for three straight years. This is like the, you know, there's more strikeouts than uh, hits type of a thing. Uh, that these, these trends have been going on and we, because we're playing this all or nothing baseball and that actually transcends down at to the team level, you know, at, at some point. And I think you're starting to see that now. Um, I don't know. I don't. I think it might actually get worse before it gets better. I, I, I looking at the way, because and the reason why I say that is because the big player dump is coming. It's coming in a, in, a, in a few weeks, and and that's what I think you're going to see when you see the New York Yankees. Yeah. I'm just going to say it. I've watched. I'm watching a lot of baseball. It's one of the joys of my life. Um, the fact is, they are a, jog- a juggernaut, and you know who they were? That they talk about the team that was exactly this record at this point of the season was the '84 Tigers. Yeah. The 1984 Tigers had that exact same record. Guess what? The Tigers basically played 500 ball the rest of the year. The Yankees don't have are not guaranteed to win this World Series, but they damn well could. And yeah. and 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 the reason why those six teams are so terrible. Are, are because of teams like the Yankees, the teams like the Dodgers. You know, just they're, they're, every asset. You know what I mean? Well, it's not just that they're going to win. A, what I meant by that is, and the Mets too, to a, to a certain degree this season, they're going to win a hundred games. And so, yeah. when you have that many teams winning a hundred games, it's been my observation that you have an equal amount lose a hundred games. Yeah. And so, it's just weird this year. There might be six teams that lose a hundred games. I'll bet you, I'll take the under on that. I think it actually won't happen because some of those teams, and the Tigers are one of them. I project to actually play a little bit better. I don't think they're going to play at a hundred game pace, but they might. That they could very well lose ninety games for sure. But you know what I'm saying? Once it, once the see the dog days kind of kick in, you 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 start to see some normalization of those. I think what you'll see is the hundred game winners will be matched, if not just slightly bettered, by the hundred game losers. I I just I sit here and this, we can discuss this more in the Cubs discussion, but you know. I, I look at the Chicago team, the Chicago National League team, and I wonder why are they unable to compete every year or to be competitive every year like their divisional rival, the Cardinals? I mean, the Cardinals find a way to be a good team every year. They're in the thick of this. The Cubs should be able to do that. Yet we have these peaks and valleys where they're very good for a short period of time and then very bad. And, and it's frustrating as a fan. Yeah, you know, I, I we talked this to death, and last year I basically said I think this is how it's going to go out and this or shake out, and that's basically what's happened. They're going to come and you know put lipstick on the pig and say we're going to we're going to compete, but they're not. I don't think deep down they really believe that because if they do, they're incompetent. Yeah, <laughs> that means they need to be replaced because. Yeah. Uh, and I just part of me thinks that why did Theo leave? You know, did Theo leave because he knew something that we are all going to figure out over a 10 year period? I don't know. Was there this great bargain with the devil to get our title? I don't really care because I I just wanted one before I died and I got one. So I'm, happy, yeah, so, I, yeah. I'm happy there. But but I think that there's some things that the Cubs have and had uh, that they could have built upon. Um, and so. 
Um, you know, I, I, the Cubs are a weird, weird animal, but I don't think they're going to lose 100 games either, by the way. I, I just don't. Yeah. I think they're too well managed, and I think – but I just – I think we're years away from a title, Leo. That's what yeah, I, I, I agree with that. We're, we are years away. I mean, there's just – what do you really – what can you point to in that organization that tells you that they can do this better than anybody? I, I'm not seeing it. I mean, whether it's uh, – you know, some rookie prospect comes along and just blows everyone away or some free agent comes in who's just equally as good. I, I, I don't see either thing happening. But, you know, who knows? I've been surprised before. Right. Uh, so okay. Shohei Otani of the, Japan playing for the California Angels had back to back games that were quite impressive. Well, no one, and I mean the great Babe Ruth, my all-time favorite baseball player, never even did this. Yeah, he was a pitcher, you know. He, like, he never had 13 strikeouts in a game and then eight RBIs in the next game. Yeah. That, that's never happened. Yeah, that's crazy. And, uh, you know, Otani is certainly one of the reasons to watch the California Angels and to watch baseball in general. I love the fact that he can do both things. Right. And we need more players like this who can hit and pitch. I think it's good for the game. It certainly draws a lot of attention. And, you know, he's doing things night after night that just we've never seen before. But uh, what place are the Angels in? Are they back uh, the, in contention after Madden's firing? The Angels, uh, as we wake up today, are in fourth place, 12 and a half games behind Houston with a 34 and 40 record. They do have a, a plus uh, run differential of six, which is encouraging. But that's a team that's that's parentally disappointing in my mind. I, I don't know what else to say. They they fired Madden. I'm not so sure Madden was the problem, even though I, I, I still think he, he. The point is, when Philadelphia fired Girardi, they went on a 13 and two run. Yeah. When the Angels fired Joe Madden, they continue to lose. So. Yeah. Um, you know what I'm saying? I, so th that's a really weird team, the Angels. It is a weird team. And, you know, uh, get out to see them if you can, because he is impressive. But no uh, doubt. I, we've never seen. I, I would just also add, I think like Ruth, in a couple of years, Otani's going to have to decide what he's going to want to, you know, eventually do one or the other. He, he won't be able to do both. And the reason why I say that is every pitcher's arm eventually deteriorates. In fact, it's a ticking time bomb the minute you start pitching until when you stop pitching. And Correct. so I think I could see him three years down the road going, I'm just going to be a hitter um, and, and, and have a long career. His yeah. exit velocity on his, his batting is amongst the le league leaders. Not, uh, I'm not American leagues, but I mean the major league leaders. That's wow. how hard he hits a baseball. And I yeah. think he he would be on a, a Hall of Fame arc just as a hitter by himself. What we're seeing is special. This So if something was to happen, God forbid, to Otani, where he was not able to have a full career, I think he would get into the Hall of Fame just on the fact that he's done something no other man has been able to do. And this is an evolved sport. This over 100 years, you would think somebody would come along, but no one has. No one has, Exactly. And it's and it's uh, but it is fun to watch. Now, uh, did you see this about Kyle Farnsworth? Yeah, yeah. No, I, Kyle Farnsworth has always been kind of a scary dude, but now he's an extremely scary dude. Uh, he, he uh, he's a bodybuilder, and you know, if you in the article they have that clip to that that I saw that play when he basically threw that guy down and started pounding him in the head. Uh, That's right. And that was ten years ago. 
Yeah. And, and, and here's the part and, I, I suplex on him. Yeah, he suplexed the guy uh, off the turnbuckle. Uh, but uh, uh, they say he's weights 230. And I'm just telling you, as a guy that kind of weighs in and around that number, he's not 230 pounds. No way in hell. He's more, he looks like he's like 290 or 300 pounds. He's He is a big behemoth. He's not a guy you want to really kind of piss off. And to me, those are the worst guys to have their bodies turn into that because he always kind of had an edge about him. I just, I, It just kind of makes for an ugly uh, persona, really. Well, you know, that fight in Cincinnati against the Reds, he really, after that, had a reputation as somebody you don't want to fuck with. Right, you know, right. All throughout Major League Baseball. He's just a big, strong, crazy guy. Uh, and, uh, you know, and I heard a story actually on the radio. This was back in 2003 where the Cubs played a series, I think it was against the Braves, at Hiram Bigham Field in Puerto Rico. And uh, this guy who worked for one of the media outlets had gone, uh, he was, he'd gone down to the beach and was going to ride one of those jet skis. Now, the jet ski versus a wave runner, you have to stand while you operate it, whereas the wave runner, you sit like a sort yeah. of a motorcycle. So he's waiting on the beach for whoever's got the, the jet skis before him to get back. So they come in onto the beach, and one of them is Kyle Farnsworth. So the media guy goes out there and does the jet ski for an hour, hour and a half. He gets off of it, and his arms are completely exhausted. And he's thinking to himself, man, I know Carl Farns- Kyle Farnsworth is a, is a pro athlete, but there's no way that he's not going to be affected by having done this. Sure enough, he goes into the game that day. Dusty has no idea what his condition is, and Farnsworth gives up a game-winning home run. So I just thought yeah. that was kind of an interesting story. Inter- interesting ending there. I wasn't expecting that. I thought, yeah. I thought he was going to beat up the uh, – the, the, the jet ski guy or whatever. Uh, but anyways, uh, uh, you know, hopefully you find peace there. But I, I've never met a guy that looked like that that didn't have serious issues. But anyway, yeah, no kidding. No kidding. All right. So uh, let's get to Chicago baseball. Not a lot to report. Uh, the Cubs are awful, as we know, and the White Sox are approaching awful. But there was a, a nice thing that happened on Friday as Kyle Hendricks returned to form. He hasn't been pitching well, but he pitched, you know, seven plus innings of shutout baseball. Yeah. And he seems to pitch really, really well at Bush Stadium in St. Louis. Well, he, he owns the Cardinals in general. He's, he's yeah. it's just it's kind of an anomaly going back like six, seven years at this point, even prior to the, the winning the World Series. Um, Hendricks has kind of had their number. I, yeah. I, don't, I don't know if he's 13 and three, but it's some number like that. Yeah, it's 13 and three. And, and what's hilarious is you can watch him when he's like, right. Yeah. You know, he's throwing 87-mile-an-hour fastballs past hitters, and it's amazing. They're swinging. They can't, they, they can't catch up to it because his changeup is so effective when it's effective. You know? Right, right, right. He's throwing these slow fastballs right by these hitters up in the zone, and it's hilarious to see. You know? Yeah, you know, I would love to talk to him to see what it's like for you and Contreras and these guys that go back to the title team. To, to have to endure these days because yeah. I'm, I'm thinking it's got to be tough. I mean, you, yeah. you got to be a professional, but you also have to be a professional athlete. And one time, sometimes you can't do both. It's hard to do both and not impact your attitude about it. Well, I think that that, that last outing may have increased Hendrix's trade value. And uh, I'm sure 
that uh, Wilson Contreras is probably out the door as well. And I hope the Cubs. Well, he's he's the number one prize based on what I've read. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, did you see also on Friday, the bench is cleared uh, on the south side over guaranteed rate field as the White Sox. Guaranteed third rate field. Yeah. Well, uh, Jorge Mateo was hit by a pitch and this was in retaliation. I think Michael Kopech hits him in the back and uh, and. And my, this my was, fantasy pitcher, by the way, but still I had to have a talk with him after that because that was very uh, poor form. It was poor form. And this was in response, we think, to Josh Harrison getting hit by a pitch the night before. And if you saw yes. when Harrison got hit by a pitch, it was interesting. The pitch was right at his back and he turns his back and his right arm as he turns his back to the pitcher, his right arm is what got hit in the elbow with the pitch, which was really unusual. I mean, you yeah. never see a batter get hit. If a right-handed hitter's at the plate, it's right. rare that it's his Correct. right arm right. that gets hit with the pitch, but that's what happened. And that's and how you true. break bones, too, by the way. Yeah. But, uh, but there's something the – the, yeah. the, the Sox seem to have a, a, a shiny red ass these days. I, yeah. I don't know. I, it just it seems like there's like a hair – uh, there's a hair trigger temper thing going on on the south side, and I don't know if it's a frustration with with uh, Larusa. I don't I don't know what it is, or the fact that they they still cannot catch the baseball. I saw some, a couple plays this week where it's like, my God, my my, you know, maybe you just need to take a break and and take these guys out and and make them play defense for eight or nine hours until they can figure this stuff out. I, I don't know what it is, but it seems like they're poorly coached from a defensive standpoint. The, which is their third page, their third base coach, Joe McEwing. He yeah. leads the league in runners thrown out at home plate. Oh, I did not know that. Yeah, he leads the league. So they're bad all over. They're, they're, they're bad so all over. So their coaches are bad at defense, too. Yeah. <laughs> and it's tough. I mean, and, and the team takes two steps forward, and then they take three steps back. And, you know, if you look at the standings, they're currently 33 and 37. They're five and a half games out. I mean, the Twins aren't running away with it, nor the Indians. But they've got a minus 52 run differential. That's horrible. That's that horrible. Is. You're, you're not making this team is not making the playoffs. And so I, I don't you know, it is what it is. Uh, speaking of which, Detroit's not that far behind him. I want to give you a hobby Baez update because he had a really good week. After yep. I was telling you to send him down to the minors, I think he had three home runs. Um, he's just hitting the cover off the ball. And so um it's uh, really good to see that happen. Well, it's um, nice to know that he listens to the show. Look <laughs> our suggestions to heart. And seen. And seen, exactly, exactly. <laughs> but, uh, you know, well, I'm glad he's doing something. And I wish the Tigers were better. I really do. Yes. Just, you know, not only for your sake, but I think that, you know, MLB needs teams like the Tigers and the Indians and the Reds and the Pirates and to be good. And, and even and the he, White Sox, too. I mean, yeah, they're very the White similar. Sox. To be good. It can't always be the Yankees and the Dodgers. Right. You know, so. All right. So that concludes our peanuts discussion. (laughs) Come here, girl. Stop. Let go. What you looking at, old man? Ever notice how you come across somebody once in a while you, you shouldn't have messed with? That's me. Get off my lawn. You better watch your back. Thank you. Why are you bringing me all this garbage anyway? 
Because you saved Tao. I didn't save anybody. You're a hero to the neighborhood. I'm not a hero. We're having barbecue. You want to come over? We've got beer, too. I might as well drink with strangers. Those guys were here the other night. What about them? Just a gang. Here's the deal. You stay away because if I have to come back here again, it's gonna be ugly. What are you gonna do, Walt? Whatever it is, they won't have a chance. And let's get right to the popcorn. I chose the movie this week. One of my favorites, uh, it is a Clint Eastwood film called Gran Torino. Uh, the story that takes place in your hometown of Detroit, Michigan, yeah. uh, an old man, Walt Kozlowski. He's a Vietnam War veteran. Uh, he is also a former auto worker. And he's basically the old man who lives in the house and tells everybody to keep the hell off of his grass. That's right. And, and he's, you know. Get the hell off of my lawn. And he, he sweeps, you know, he's very meticulous in the upkeep of his front yard. And he sits on his front porch. And he sort of watches the world go by and he's watching his neighborhood change. When the neighborhood used to be filled with people like him, now it is filled with refugees from Vietnam, specifically the Hmong people who were advised to leave Vietnam and they were allowed to leave and immigrate to the United States. And so these Asian Vietnamese refugees are sort of populating the neighborhood now. And there's good things about them and there's some bad things about them, especially with the boys were often involved in criminal and gang activity. Uh, the line, I think, from the movie is when the Hmong come to the United States, the girls go to college, but the boys go to jail. Right. And, and he catches uh, one of these, these teenage boys trying to rob his tool shed and or to rob the Gran Torino car that he himself had built on the line. His, his prized possession. His prized possession, this beautiful old muscle car. Right. And he was told by these other gangbangers to steal it. Walt catches him and we think he's going to shoot him, you know, but he gets him back to his family and uh, they apologize for it. And Walt kind of agrees to mentor him, to help him learn how to use tools to maybe get a job, uh, you know, fixing things and to sort of be a good example for him. But a lot of things occur with that. The, 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 these gangs start to really come into the, they become a threat in the neighborhood. And uh, it sort of goes from there. Now I wanna, I chose this movie because it really, I think, connects to where you grew up. Yeah. And I wanted to see what you felt about that. Yeah, this, this is a, this is a uh, onion that you gotta, you know, really peel back here. Um, right. I, I have to just say it out, out front. I never saw this film when it came out. And the reason why I didn't is because I reached a certain point where I stopped watching Clint Eastwood movies because I grew tired of his persona. Yeah. Um, and that he's a, he's one of these actors reminds me of Bogart, but not quite as good as Bogart. Bogart was basically Bogart in every movie he was in. Jack Nicholson is basically Jack Nicholson in every movie he's in. And Clint Eastwood is basically that same character. He yeah. could have been Dirty Harry as an old man. But yeah. Basically, it, it, and so part of me, I just, I grew tired of it. And then, you know, I felt like, um, you know, this guy just should have retired. You know, Jimmy yeah. Cagney did the most perfect thing in film history. He retired when he was 61 years old after his 61st film. And then 
he only came back and made one other film afterwards or a TV movie as well, because his doctor said it'd be good for your health. But basically he retired. And I think Clint should have done this. However, when I did go and watch this movie, I was astounded at his physique at age 78. Yeah, yeah. He filmed this at 78. And I know he wasn't throwing those Hmong guys around like he did in that one scene. That was bullshit, because if a 78-year-old tried to throw anybody, first of all, you wouldn't be able to do it. Second of all, you wouldn't be able to walk for a week. So, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Like, part of it was slightly unbelievable. Um, however, this was, this movie ultimately surprised me, in, because I thought I was going to see this I don't know, old man against gangbanger type of a film. And that really wasn't the film at all. And, the, and in fact, the ending really surprised me. I thought the ending did surprise me. That's not how I thought it was going to end. But I did, I want to tell you, this was filmed in Highland Park. Yeah. You saw how bad that was? Yeah. I, I went to grammar school two blocks from where that was filmed. Wow. So just wow. put that in the back of your mind to when you want to talk about the hard scrabble uh, streets of Detroit. I lived in Detroit, but Highland Park, which is was in 1955 the most beautiful suburb in the United States, is one of the uh, unbelievable decaying. Of, sadly, yeah. it, it was this great city, but now it's just it's a it's it's it's, 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 it's it's really urban blight at its worst. Um, so there was that. I kept watching it going, hey, is that Elmira? Do, you know, because I kind of know some of those streets, even though, as it turned out, it really wasn't filmed over there. But it did look like it. Um, Clint started spitting like uh, Josie Wales, outlawed Josie Wales. I thought, there's another derivative of, of his film. But the other thing that made me laugh through the entire film is whenever he saw people, he in, in, invariably made a sound like this. Uh, yeah, exactly. Whether it was his son or his. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so I give this film three stars, but his character and other characters were kind of one dimensional and almost stare like like they all speak like people speak, which means it was all racial shit, even if people yeah. that are not racist. You know, calling each other Polacks and, and thinking it's and today it's not OK. You can't do it's that. Not kind of okay, stuff. But, but, but back look, then, that's yeah. the way men operated. It, good, bad or indifferent. It was, and it wasn't just white men. All as it turns out, all men kind of talk like that. Well, so, the idea was there's that scene specifically where he takes him to see his friend and they're calling each other Polak and yeah, whatever. Right, right, right. And, right. and, and the idea is that. When you get insulted like that, it's it's in jest. It's fun. That's it's right. Funny. Correct. They're making fun of you, and you're not supposed to pretend that you feel. You're not supposed to be injured. You're not supposed to be sad. You're not supposed to have your feelings hurt. What you're supposed to do is give it right back to them and call right. them names right. too. And then it's all equal and balanced and okay. And you know, you and I are old enough to have kind of lived through times like that yeah, and yeah. you know, where it was okay to make fun of somebody's ethnicity. Guys like Mel Brooks did it in Blazing right. Saddles. Oh, we, I did it. Everybody did it. But Everybody so, did it. You know, Don Rickles was famous for doing that's it. Correct. It was funny, yeah. but, but what they did better than anybody is make fun of everybody. That's you know true. I mean? that, Which makes it okay. You know? Actually, no one has made fun of more than the old white guy. If you yeah. think about it, when you, when you really break it down. And, and so, there's this nobility that occurs because 
without giving away the story, the, the plot too much, uh, he's he's dying. Basically, he's dying and he knows he's that he's dying. And so he decides to kind of go out in a way that I didn't expect. I, I have yeah. to be honest with you. And so yeah. for our viewer out there, this is a reason to see this film. There was a thing at the end that occurred with the priest and the cops and the cops putting the priest in the car that I thought, you know, this is. It's kind yeah. of a false note. And also, yeah. that's not how it works in Detroit. They don't have priests and cops at every corner waiting to stop every. That, that part was yeah. just kind of goofy. But and also it was a little bit Oliver Stone-esque in the sense that Oliver Stone, everything is black and white with them. It's either you're right versus wrong. It's it's evil versus it, it, it's just. And there was a little bit of that going on here. But the part, the reason why, and, and Ebert gives it three and a half stars. I only give it three because I thought the characters were just a little one-dimensional. And, and that, that's, the, but otherwise, this was a surprisingly good film. But, and again, 70, I know he's 90 now, but 78 yeah. years old as, as a person of, I'm 63. And I know what I can and can no longer do. And I'm in fairly decent condition for my age. I can't fathom what that's going to be like at 78 to so to see him do that um remarkable that's yeah, all it I was say. remarkable no it really was and, and and what i love about this film is he takes that that character that tough guy character that he's been doing for decades right and gives it a little bit of nuance it gives he's still it, kind of a one-trick pony about it though that, that sure you know, it, it's sure. so predictable and that's why he's imitated is because like i said he's clint eastwood in every movie he's in right and it's hard for him to do anything else, you know, but but I thought that I really enjoyed this movie. You know, it's 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 he's he has moments of great humor as yeah. he insults his sons who are trying to just take care of him and get him to move to an old age home, uh, you know, to a, to a nursing home. He won't do it. You right. know, he doesn't want anybody to bother him. He just wants to be left alone. And he becomes involved in the story of these Hmong people who live next door to him, who end up, you know, he, he, he commits a sacrifice basically for them. Yes. And, uh, and as a result, they revere him. Yeah. You know? Now he's a hero. Now his picture is painted on and, the side and, of a garage in Detroit. Yeah. Uh, you know, the and, character anyways. And, and, and by the way, growing up in Detroit, I knew both old guys like Kowalski and and ones like the the, uh, the Hmong uh, gang, even though in Detroit where I grew up, it was Iraqis that were uh, escaping uh, uh, Saddam Hussein, but the the Catholic Iraqi uh, Iraqis, the Chaldeans, um, yeah. and so it was kind of similar similar things where where you had you know people coming from not their place of birth and not necessarily by their choice either in many instances and trying to assimilate into a Kind of a fucked up Detroit at that time period. That that was a messed up time where there was white flight and you you know this, this, I'll bet you that this character was like the last white guy living on that block. Oh yeah, no, and my friend in St. Louis, uh, his father was the last white guy living in in a, you know like, like he grew up in this white neighborhood in the south yeah. side of uh, St. Louis, but little by little became more and more African American, and his father was the last guy there. You yeah. Know? So. Anyway, all right, so that concludes our popcorn discussion. So, Tom, do you have a movie selected for next week? I absolutely do. I'm so glad you asked. Next week, we are going to go back to 1948 with the treasure of the Sierra Madre. Oh, fantastic movie. John Huston directed, Humphrey Bogart, 
this is one of your favorite all-time movies. Is it is. It is. It's in my well, it's in my top thirty films. Correct. I've seen it many times. I look forward to watching it again. Um, we should also point out that uh, we will be doing next week's show. After that, we'll be we'll be taking a two week break, basically because it's the All Star break and we despise All Star baseball. We really <laughs> just can't. I don't know. There's really nothing good. <sighs> endless hype. You know, I can't exactly. I hate it. And I know you do, too. Um, I don't know what you're going to do for the two weeks off. But, uh, you know, I'm going to be spending time with my family. I think you go to a Catholic retreat, don't you? Way, way up <laughs> in the woods. Is that? Uh, well, I'm going to spend two weeks with my favorite charity, Doctors Without Diplomas. <laughs> there you go. There you go. All right. So until next week, we're the two peas in the podcast. I'll bang the drum slowly and play the fight lowly. Play the dead march as they carry me along. Put bunches of roses all over my coffee. Roses to deaden the clouds as they fall.